map of the inner planets, star, uh, inner planets of our solar system close to our sun. I'm talking about Mercury, Venus, Earth, and Mars. Those four and our sun are mapped out right there at Giza on the plateau. Amazing. Amazing. It's, basically, we're looking at a lost civilization with technology that was existing and it's now just these remnants and pieces that are left. And yeah. in, in what Billy said is, is, is spot on is that here we have these structures that we've been told how we're housing pharaohs. And that's what everyone is told in school. And that's how they perceive the purpose of all these structures. Okay, yeah, they wanted to be remembered in the future. So they, they buried them there. And then, oh, look, that's their tomb. Yeah. Whereas when, when people, you know, that's, that's what we, we're, we're dealing with here is that there's a paradigm that's been created about ancient history and about our origins, and about everything that we perceive in reality to, to create this certain doctrine here of, of what we think and what we follow. Whereas when you start looking at the evidence from the Great Pyramids, you like Billy said, you look at the Great Pyramid Giza and you say, there's never been a pharaoh ever found there. And there's not even ever been any hieroglyphs inside. In fact, there's all this strange technology with these chambers pointing at different star systems and water being u- utilized underneath and all these secret tunnels connecting all mm-hmm. these specific points. And quickly you get to, you get to realize oh wow so this is this is not a tomb at all. Then you factor in things like the fact that this is located right in the very center of the landmasses of the Earth, and that it's on these important ley lines, these convergence centers of energy, just like all the other structures all around the world that we're about to go over in a few minutes. You get to see that there was this giant grid system created here, this giant grid system created here, harnessing electromagnetic energy. And that these these sophisticated cultures were likely, like Billy said, they may have been connected to all over the stars. We don't know how advanced the civilization was because the destruction that destroyed it was so severe that all that was literally all that was left of these civilizations are these megalithic structures they created and some of the stories and writings that were left behind to be carried on in the future. Everything else that existed was either buried or destroyed over time. And so that's where we're trying to put these clues and pieces together to these lost civilizations in human history that connect all the way back to human origins. But that story does not end in Egypt. It does not end in Kem, because we have to understand that Egypt, the name itself, is a name that came later. And I want to point out, and I've mentioned it many times, is that we see a distinct difference in the sophistication and building of a lot of this advanced technology in Egypt, along with some later building of dynastic pharaohs and i want to point that out so when you go to a place like karnak and you have a you have these large blocks of things like travertine and you can't find travertine more than a thousand miles away in turkey and you have these huge granite blocks like above the tomb of osiris which is not a real tomb at all it's more of a physical uh, a non-physical um energy reincarnation tomb for a great being osiris that i believe was connected to enki but anyway, when you start to look at that and you look at those massive stone blocks that were quarried at the Aswan Quarry hundreds of miles away, it all starts to make sense to say, ah, oh, so these different distinct time periods occurred with these different civilizations that then passed down knowledge to the next one that came. And then over time, every single time one of these civilizations came later, more and more knowledge was lost. And then before you know it, we lump them all together as just one civilization and that's where a lot of this confusion comes in right billy oh absolutely i mean you hit it right on the head i mean literally what's happened is every time you move to another generation or another dynastic era 
the, the, the technology gets worse, the construction gets worse. And it's a video that I had made, I guess, with some other guys on YouTube where they, they kind of gave me an impromptu interview. And I had said, I told them that the further back you go, the more perfect the construction and the closer you come to forward in time, the worse the construction. And I've seen That's the opposite we've been told, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, how could that be? It's more, how can it be perfect in the past in the deep antiquity and then be worse in the current day? Uh, and anybody who doesn't believe this, you just need to do one thing. Save up your money, fly to Egypt, land in Cairo, and look how the people live. Look at the buildings that they're living in and then go to the pyramids. And you're going to go, oh, my God, how we have fallen. I mean, they're living in buildings that are dilapidated, uh, hand, hand mud brick condos. This is what they're living in. Like right now, today, in 2019. And then off in the distance, you have this, you have this Giza plateau, which looks like an advanced piece of technology left behind. Uh, but still looks better than what they're living in. I mean, the evidence is there that the further back you go, it's just it's just incredible. I went to Cambodia, uh, and as I've got to Angkor Wat, Angkor Wat is still in amazing condition to this very day. But as you travel through, it's 500 hectares of land, so I went hiking 37 miles through the jungle when I was there in 120-degree heat. So I, obviously I was very motivated to see these locations. <laughs> I would say so. so. <laughs> Nobody really wants to do that. But uh, as I got further in time to more recent temples that were built, guess what? They were dilapidated. They were falling apart. They weren't megalithic anymore. The stones were stones that I could pick up with my own hands if I put a little effort, effort into it. Uh, so the closer I got to, to, to our current era, the worse the construction, you know, and this is what you see in Egypt as well. Brilliantly said, and that's something that is echoed by a lot of researchers now that are not quite on the fringe that a uh, Billy and I, but that just, just speak about lost civilizations, you know, like Graham Hancock and Brian Forrester and Robert Schock and a lot of these other ones. They're saying, look, you can pinpoint all of these different places around the world from, you know, go from Pumapunka, go from Machu Picchu, go from all the way up through the Americas, Ushmal, um, right up through Machu Picchu, um, and then up through Chichen Itza. You go through all the Americas, you find the same thing. And there's all this ancient, sophisticated building on the very bottom for whatever was whatever remained and then the top is all this less sophisticated really primitive building and then when you take that model and you go around the world you get to distinguish and you get to separate oh, all these different civilizations this one came later this one came earlier and that's how we get to piece these pieces together and part of that journey is then traveling around and going to see these anomalies around the world and deciding and, and, and doing research into them and figuring out Oh, okay. This is what legacy this this piece belongs to, and this is what this piece belongs to. Okay. Now, where this journey is going to take us is when you read about Thoth in, in, in Kem. One of the things you find out is he was actually either he left or he was. Some even say he was kicked out by by Amun Ra. Mm -hmm. and, and but regardless of which which you believe, he definitely left Kem and he went to create these new civilizations of Atlantis around the world. And he went to two key locations, in my opinion, that I see evidence on. And that is um, the area of the United States, Mexico, and South America. Those areas have this heavy influence of this, these builders and this rise of civilization that seems to have come out of nowhere. Um, I want to just bring up in, 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 in Puebla, Mexico, down near um, Teotihuacan and Tenochtitlan, that, that area of, of Mexico that's near Mexico City, there, um, archaeologists have done digs in some of those areas, and they've found evidence that shows um, sophisticated civilizations lived there well over 100,000 years ago. So we're looking at these time periods that completely rewrite the narrative of what we think. 
there may have been civilizations that were destroyed even before these. There could have been time periods where other people existed there because that's what these say. I want to bring up, um, it, go to that incredible Mayan temple site of Ushmal, okay? This is probably the best example I can pick out um, in, in the Mesoamerica, in the Mexico, Mesoamerica area, showing this, what we're talking about right now. The name Ushmal means built three times, okay? And I want people to look that up because it's totally mind-blowing, is that the very name means that. And the temple there, the, the largest temple, is called Temple of the Wizards. Just like, if you remember the Emerald Tablet when we read of Thoth, he says he's the great master of mysteries and the great magician and the wizard. That's, that's what he's referenced as. And so you see these common examples and these influences all around the world of these sites where they, they travel around and created these civilizations, right, Billy? Absolutely. I mean, you, you, again, you're right, man. You're, you're a great researcher, man. Uh, went to Teotihuacan, Mexico. Uh, I had the blessing to be able to go to Thoth's house, Kukulcan, Coach, whatever you want to call him. He's got a million names, as you know. But it was his house where it's still there. It's still there. He actually lived on this on site. And one thing I want to point out is a lot of uh, people might get offended by this in a way when they've learned this. But if they go research it, I find it is true. The Mayans did not build Teotihuacan. I'll say that again. The Mayans did not build Teotihuacan. And where did I get this from? From a homegrown archaeologist in Teotihuacan. <laughs> it's actually taught there in schools. It's actually taught there in Mexico that the Mayans did not build it, neither did the Aztecs. The Teotihuacans were there much uh, further back than the Mayans. The Mayans kind of inherited what was already there and some of the wisdom and teaching that were left behind, but they didn't build it. Uh, and then uh, there was a volcanic eruption much later, a couple hundred years later, in a valley, and the Aztec people had to migrate out of that area because their whole uh, city or their, where their living area was destroyed, and they stumbled across Teotihuacan, and they inherited it as well. Okay, so this is why you have a situation where you see advanced technology, advanced building uh, techniques being used. And then you have these people that are still, uh, you know, uh, killing, killing and cutting people's heads off and cutting their hearts out to give to the gods and sacrificing virgins and all this. Going, wait a minute, how can you be this technologically advanced? But then you're doing all these uh, sacrificial things and all this other stuff that didn't really make any sense. It's because... They were almost like a cargo cult in a way, and they were trying to bring the gods back, just like, you know, we've done here on Earth in modern times with the, the people from Bikini Atoll and stuff like that. So uh, it's really amazing. I mean, these these uh, these Anunnaki, Atlantean people, whatever you want to call them, they really made their way around this entire planet. They influenced so many civilizations. And when both left out of Africa and came to uh, Mesoamerica and kickstarted the civilizations here, they built this super advanced civilization. When I went to Mexico City, there were literally hundreds of hills in Mexico City. So we're talking with the archaeologist and the driver, who's also a researcher, and he's pointing at all the hills. And he's saying, you see this hill? You see that hill? You see that hill? I'm like, yeah, what's up with all these hills? He goes, every hill is a pyramid underneath the street, underneath the tar, underneath everything, underneath the church. So what they did was, he said in ancient times, they blew up, not ancient times, I'm sorry, in more recent times, the Spaniards blew up the tops of the pyramids and then put churches on top of them, uh, and so Catholic churches. So unfortunately, that's what's happened. But if you were to go and dig up every one of those hills, you're going to find literally hundreds of pyramids just in that one area. So it's really amazing and astounding what was accomplished down there. Uh, and I wish I could just get in the time machine, man, and go back. 
But um, that that area, that whole entire region, was highly sophisticated. And at Teotihuacan, Teotihuacan, uh, if you really take a good look at it, it really looks like an advanced spaceport to me. I can envision uh, some type of launch tower. Those the shorter platforms look like launch towers where you would put up a vehicle up to that would just kind of sit there on a the pad waiting to take off. Just in my personal opinion, that's what it looks like. Uh, and then you have um, the Pyramid of the Sun and Pyramid of the Moon, which are actually fractalized pyramids. They're pyramids on top of pyramids on top of pyramids. And the Pyramid of the Sun is built on top of what? An aquifer, just like the one in Great in Giza. And the Pyramid of the Sun has the same exact size base and is exactly 50% the height of the Pyramid of Giza. That doesn't happen by accident. That was done on purpose. You have the same, again, you have the same architect then duplicating these, uh, this, this technique over here in Mesoamerica and helping to kickstart the civilization long before the Mayans arrived. Exactly. There's a, there's a certain type of signature of the size of the block ratio. It's like a 52 cubit block that is used. You see the same type of building. And I know that a lot of people, it's like they constantly share those images of, of pyramids across the world. And they say, you know, are they connected? Are they, are they um, somehow influenced by similar places? And it's amazing to me how much of our society, because of the whole indoctrinated system of what they've been made to believe and how they don't want to be out of the mainstream, they'll choose to ignore that. They'll just say, oh, that's just a coincidence. It doesn't really matter. Because what happens when you start to dwell, delve into this is you go down this long road of having to completely reorganize your thoughts and, and how you perceive the past. So Billy brought up some, some great, great points there, Billy. Well said is that in all of these ancient sites, whether it's Mayan or Aztec or, or um, down in throughout Peru and down in um, Miracocha's area of um, Pumapuku, you find that all of those ancient cultures, like you said, when you ask them who built these structures and where they came from, they all state that they found them there and that mm-hmm. they were built by those their ans- those 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 ancestors that they once um, revered and looked up to, and so what we think of as the Aztec, Aztec, Maya, and Inca are just these remnants of those civilizations from long ago, and what's left over. And just so, just imagine it, right? Instead of these cultures we perceive now, their their ancestors, instead of us perceiving them as building them, their those structures, like Billy said, imagine them just like we were. When we first rediscovered these in the jungle, you know, we're emerging through the brush and we open up this scene and we see this temple out in the jungle and it's all destroyed and there's strewn everywhere and there's just pieces of it. And this culture is amazed by it and they start poking around through the ruins and they find these ancient writings and they're reading about them and they're blown away because there's all this knowledge that completely changes. And what happened? This civilization all of a sudden becomes jumpstarted because they have all this knowledge and wisdom. So they try to emanate what was there before. They try to rebuild it. They try to connect with these gods because they learn through these writings. They learned that these long ago, they were influenced by, by things that are no longer there anymore, by great beings that were great builders. So what do they try to do? They try to do blood sacrifice and all these awful techniques to try to get the gods to come back because they're desperate. And that's where all this confusion comes in. Mm-hmm. It was out of corruption and desperation that a lot of those cultures did that, not because they were influenced by their original wisdom bringers to do that um and that's so those are some of the misconceptions that we we got to get past here but what what this brings up and what's on the screen is what we're looking at is south america um and we're looking at the andes mountains in the background and you're looking at lake titicaca 
which is a, an amazing, amazing place. The, the highest navigable lake in the world, over a thousand feet deep, okay? Mm -hmm. Which is really interesting if you start to look at the, the stories of Viracocha and how some of them claim that this great creator being came out of the depths of, of Lake Titicaca. And when you think about how the underworld and the Abzu, this lower world is connected through these deep portals underground and caves and underwater, it starts to make sense and it starts to scratch your head and wonder about the significance of what Lake Titicaca plays. Well, anyway, on, along the shores of Lake Titicaca, which is in Bolivia, South America, all over the place, you find these strewn ruins of ancient civilizations, Pumupuku, Tiwinaku. And like Billy said, they didn't call themselves what we think they call themselves. They said that they were the, their ancestors were called um, the Tiwinakus, and mm -hmm. some of them called themselves the Viracocians. So they, they, these aren't even terms that reference the Inca. There are these long ago terms that we don't even use anymore. But when we start to look at the evidence from that region to try to connect it, to say, okay, What's the evidence that actually proves that these civilizations are connected? You know, give me something out that's not just circumstantial. Well, go look up the Fuente Magna Bowl. It'll completely blow your mind. And that's what I have on the screen right now, the image. So a little backstory so people know what that means is in 1958, next to Lake Titicaca, where all these ancient ruins are, go look up Pumapunku, some of the strangest ruins on the entire planet. Near that same area where all that advanced technology is already from these ancient Viracocians, you find there was this there was this field that a farmer was plowing in nineteen in nineteen fifty eight, and all of a sudden his plow hit the edge of something. So he gets out and he goes down in his field and he picks up this artifact, and it's this very strange bowl. Okay, now some ex, some academics will tell you that this was all fabricated and it's not real, just like a lot of this stuff we're going into to try to make people think that all of this is is just uh, some fantasy and that what we're, what we're told is the correct story. Whereas if you go do research, you can clearly see that all of this stuff is real and it's all just there if people know where to look. So this farmer finds this bowl and he picks it up and he wipes away the dirt inside and he finds these ancient inscriptions and he doesn't recognize it at all. It's not something he's ever seen before. So he brings it into this to the some of the experts in the area and he has it sent away and they determine that it's cuneiform writing. Now, if you look at the similarities of it, you find the same etch marks. And like Billy knows, they still create cuneiform today. And you can see those etch marks are almost exactly mirrored, mirrored in this in, in this bowl. And, and Billy said, well, they say it's some kind of a proto-cuneiform um, Sumerian writing. But what does that even matter? It's still yeah. mean <laughs> that the same writing is connected all the way across the world. Right, Billy? Absolutely. I mean, this doesn't happen by accident. There's no sense of coincidence here. This is actual uh, something that evidence of somebody teaching people in different parts of the world the same exact writing techniques with the same exact type of a stylus and the same exact type of a clay, uh, wet clay uh, system. Uh, and uh, like I said earlier, before we got on the air, was um, Mr. Finkel at the uh, British Museum has a great little video, very short video on uh, on YouTube where he actually takes a stylus and he impresses into wet clay and begins to do the cuneiform writing. Uh, and it's very tedious to just make a one name or one word or one phrase. That's why I think that these cuneiform tablets are so important because you've got some information here. And we've got millions of these tablets now that have been discovered around the world, but we've got information that somebody took their tedious time and effort to create and write and then bake and put it on in a way that it can withstand the test of time. 
And I think when somebody goes to that level of effort to put information out, it's well worth our research and investigation to look into it because it's like a time capsule. It was put here for us in this current era to read it, decipher it, and to realize the true history of our ancient past, what went on in the ancient past. It's really an amazing window that's been open for us to figure out what happened back then because the past is prologue. So we can analyze this information from around the world, all these cuneiform tablets, these bowls, these artifacts being discovered, these megalithic structures, and we can analyze all these stories from all this, these Sumerian cylinder scrolls and everything else that we've discovered now and figure out how can we prevent this from happening in the future? How can we curve this cyclical nature of, of rise and fall of civilization? Can we stop this cycle from rising and falling? Can we get to the next level? Can we become a type a type one, type two, type three level civilization and harness the power of our star and prevent uh, galactic collisions with asteroids? And love it. Exactly. You know, so can we get to those levels? And I think what we're doing, me and you, Matt, I think that it's so crucial because it's like we're really the pioneers of bringing knowledge and information to the general population, which is going to spread like wildfire and maybe, just maybe, giving us an opportunity as a civilization to bypass this cycle of rise and fall and get to the next level as a civilization. Well said. And and uh, like, like Billy mentioned, um, what we're trying to do right now is not just being done by so many other people. Most mainstream academics and researchers are scared to even go into this idea of trying to decipher these ancient translations and texts. And that's why if you look at almost all these researchers, they'll delve into ancient megalithic stuff because that's that's pretty easy to see now. We, we really can know what that is. But a lot of this other stuff, because it connects to this idea of beings, entities, aliens, some kind of gods, all that stuff, it's off limits. And so most of them, because of credibility reasons and because of how controlled this information is, most aren't willing to connect those pieces. So that's why Billy and I are doing the best we can to not only preserve this ancient wisdom so it can last test, last the test of time, but also to make sure that others can, can understand what those teachings said and what they left behind long ago. Now, and what did they leave behind? Well, they left behind these amazing structures. And this is Saskatchewan outside of um, Cusco. And I know Billy has been to this one. But when you, when you look at something like this, um, it almost seems like this technology that exists in South America is in many ways even more perfect than I've seen anywhere around the world. Like they perfected it here. And what, was that some kind of, a, did they melt these rocks and then reform them? And that's why they have these bizarre shapes. And so what, let me get your take on some of these incredible um, structures around the world. Man, this is just amazing. I mean, even seeing this again, I was there. So, you know, it's just, a, <laughs> I'm so happy, man, you know, you know, the way that I've been able to, to live my life. I mean, I've been there. I've touched those stones right where that gentleman is standing. I took a picture right there. Um, and uh, even the archaeologist that was there with us that we hired was saying that, you know, <laughs> the gods built this. And, I mean, you still can't put a human hair in between some of these blocks. Uh, they withstood earthquakes uh, you know, disasters, storms, everything else you could think of, and they're still there, and they're still rock. I mean, they're locked solid together, and it it almost looks like some type of a a heating tool or a heating laser or something just molded them together. But you're not going to go to a rock quarry, cut rock, and then bring it to a location hundreds of miles away just to make these intricate cuts when you could just stack the blocks and make simple square blocks. You don't need to make these intricate cuts. Uh, these intricate cuts are so amazing 
it just it just leads you to, to believe that it's got to be some type of advanced technology, something that molded and decked these rocks and glued them together in a way. It's almost like they're hermetically sealed in a way. I mean, they're really locked together. They can't. You can't just like pry one of these blocks away. It's not that easy. Uh, and the fact that we can't really duplicate this today, it leads us. You know, it just adds more credence to, to, to the fact that these people had some advanced technology, whether it was a harmonic frequency yeah. tools, cymatic tools. Um, you know, because because cymatics, the right frequency can generate heat. Did they use a frequency tool to to um, to mold these bricks together, these blocks together? Whatever it was, and also they, they designed them also in a way that they made them earthquake proof, so they actually have the capability in certain areas of sliding and moving with the vibrations of the earth. It's just really amazing. This was a great fort, and the top was a great uh, temple, which yeah. the temple it didn't it did not stand the test of time. Uh, the walls are there, but the top's missing. But this is just an amazing place. Yeah, and it's, now notice, Billy, what the design of the blocks almost looks like. To me, it looks like a honeycomb design, wouldn't you say? It has oh, this yeah. type of honeycomb design. And, and so what was the purpose of that, right? Like, why would you want to design them just like this with these knobs sticking out in some spots and these really strange angles? And I think what you said nails it on the head. I think that those were designed in a certain way to act as a harmonic frequency so that it's like a, like a tuning fork. Dings. And, and so we can have this certain type of harmonic frequency because like Billy said, there was a big temple sitting up there. And so you had to create this certain kind of energy connection with that temple. And that's what it was all about back then. We find these sites when you, when you look at a world map, you know, go search really quick on Google and go look up ley lines of the earth and then go look up ley lines of the earth and and the location of megalithic sites around the world. And boom, they line up almost perfectly. And quickly you can see that, wow. So not only did these advanced civilizations know about that, and first of all, how did they know about the convergence of energy lines around our planet? I mean, that is almost mind-blowing for us to even consider now. And we're circumnavigating the globe with GPS units and compasses and everything all over the place. And yet these, these civilizations knew in many ways what we don't even know now anymore at all. They had mm-hmm. knowledge about energy and consciousness and the cosmos that we're, we're just starting to piece together and get back today. But this legacy all around the world, you can really see it. And you can really see how what happened. Well, there were these lost civilizations after Atlantis that spread around the world. And then these destructive events occurred that ended the last ice age. And that is the most key point I want to leave behind. These events are what ended the ice age. They're not just coinciding with the end of the ice age. There was a a massive ice age. For those who don't know where I am, the Laurentide ice sheet miles deep. I mean, if you were to try to put, try to envision something like the Empire State Building or any of these large buildings around the world, that wouldn't even come close to the depth of this ice. So if you had ice ages covering the world and then those ice ages, those, that ice rapidly melts and you get these global tectonic shifts and earthquakes and tsunamis and sun coming in on coral mass ejections and like burning structures and causing vitrification on it. When you're seeing all that evidence around the world, it paints this picture of these cataclysms that were so disastrous that they're like something out of some Hollywood movie that we can't even imagine today because they were so, so um, severe that they wiped out all of these civilizations around the world to where I think that there was only a few elders that remained. And they, those elders tried to jumpstart civilization in other places 
but over time that was unsuccessful and eventually we we almost went back to the stone age basically right billy absolutely that's right that's exactly what happened we literally uh had lost all of the knowledge all the wisdom uh, the the uh the verbal history uh had been passed down but as you go through you know using utilizing verbal history and passing that down generations you begin to lose uh, some of the information over time. So generation after generation, it became less and less important as survival became more important. Uh, and just like today, we all use cell phones. I use a cell phone, you use a cell phone. But if civilization was to collapse right now, uh, I don't know how to make a cell phone. You know, So I know some of the parts work, but I don't know how to actually physically make a cell phone and rebuild the towers to make the cell phones communicate the microwave signals and so forth. It's a lot of collaboration to get all that back up. So when something collapses like that, even if you have a few wise people, it's not just like, well, they knew about it. How come we can't kickstart it again? Well, it takes a lot of collaboration and a lot of people knowing little different parts and working together to rebuild a high level of civilization. It just typically can't be done with two or three wise men. You've got to have quite a, quite a bit of people on the same level uh, and working together in unison. Uh, but, but survival took hold and you know, it became a priority information just became, you know, that type of knowledge became less and less important as people were just trying to make it through the day. Yeah. And so you, so if you, you can imagine back then those original builders, maybe they returned to some of those civilizations after, and they try to impart that wisdom again, and then, but then they leave and they move on somewhere else. And so over time, maybe you, you would see, like we see with this building, you would see mm -hmm. a blossoming for a short period of time where they would try to restart that civilization and reach that sophistication. But mm -hmm. then without guidance, without those teachers around that civilization would end up becoming corrupted. It would fall down into these lower moral codes of blood sacrifice and war and all of these things we find today, which is actually echoed even in our civilization. Now it seems like there's this eventual downfall of situations, civilizations where they often become corrupted. If they're not given guidance and wisdom to um, follow a certain path. And so we're moving to the last location today on our journey. And this is what I consider the very heart of the Aztec empire, okay? This is Teotihuacan, and this is uh, an ancient Aztec city, which, and like Billy mentioned, if you go around the world, okay, go to any of these megalithic sites, one of the common things you find is that their largest pyramids are almost always named the Pyramid of the Sun and the Pyramid of the Moon which is fascinating because yet again provides this connection with, with how they thought back then and, and the purpose behind why they were building the structures. I mean, this, this, this area that you have is literally what was attempted to try to create a new Atlantis. How, what's some of the evidence to back that up? Right next to this site is a place called Tula, Mexico, where you have these massive statues of these huge guards and they're called the Atlantean warriors. And I bring that up every time because they're specifically called that as part of the ancient wisdom. That's not a name that was given to them later, but it proves to you. It shows that that was the whole purpose was they were trying to create these new Atlantean civilizations and that those pieces, whether you want to talk about the Olmec, whether you want to talk about the Aztec, the Maya, the Inca, the Viracocians, and many, many other branches of that, they're all just this part of this lost history that we're just trying to put the pieces back together today, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, Thoth came here. Uh, his name changed many times while he was in Mesoamerica. I mean, you know, he's been everybody. Kubrakan, Quetzalcoatl, Veracocha. He might have even been Lord Pakal. Yeah, that's right. That's a good point. Right. 
and I've been to Tula, Mexico. I've been to the Atlantean statues, took pictures next to them, and they're holding technology in their hands. They've got on what looked like to be some type of sophisticated what? suit or outfit with, with uh, uh, what looks like a, uh, a container or something on the chest and on the back. And almost. handbags, right? They have the handbags. Yep. On, some of them look like they're holding, might be even holding a weapon in a way, the way it's, they're set up. I'm going to start, I'm going to send you my photos. It's really amazing stuff. But um, I've been to... Hashtag politics AF. Thanks for 57K listeners. Exclamation point. Wow, you guys are catching on. Just seven downloads, call it. Seven K downloads. Um, I swear like a sailor. It's like a fucking croissant emoji that popped up under after roll. Okay. podcast on the planet. <laughs> to, to Tula at the top of the Pyramid of Kukulkan there. I've been to, uh, uh, right down from there, I went to this other place called Kukawamilpa, uh, Kakawamilpa. It's a very strange name. It's a mountain there. And they take you on a tour inside this mountain. And you go, we went down about, uh, uh, man, maybe uh, two kilometers. And about 90 meters up from the floor, I took a video of an Egyptian head carved into the inside of this mountain, on the inside of this uh, cave that we just gigantic cave system we were in. And the cave just kept going. Uh, but in there, it's carved in a way, again, using highly advanced technology. And somebody in ancient times was utilizing that cave as a kingdom. You can tell by the way it's set up. 
the, the strange thing though is the further you go, the less oxygen you get, and it just kept on going. I mean, it kept going and going and going, and you had to it, all the tourists had to loop around because the, the oxygen becomes more thin down there. You can't, you know, somebody's gonna start passing out. But down there is evidence of advanced technology. I wish I could have kept going with some oxygen masks on just to see how far I can go and really tap into some stuff that they probably didn't cover up. But they didn't take down that one Egyptian uh, motif, that Egyptian head sticking out of the, out of the uh, inside of the cave up there. But this whole area is full of nothing but amazing things. Just looking at this, this image you have on the screen now, like I said before when I was talking earlier, these look like launch pads to me. I mean, just to me. I could be wrong, but they kind of resemble launch pads. I've climbed up on top of these structures in front of the Pyramid of the Sun, uh, right along the Avenue of the Dead. And uh, I have videos of me on Facebook on top of these structures and everything else. And they really look like um, something would mount up to them and be like they were there to hold something. And then people would walk up these stairs to get into whatever that thing was in ancient times. Another thing that's amazing is this entire place is connected by these underground tunnels but they're not really tunnels. They're really carved uh, pathways in the shape of a perfect square almost. And inside of them, they discovered tons of mica. Now, mica is a technological purpose, uh, is technologically used for the purpose of insulation in modern times. So they found tons of insulation underneath this pyramidal structure here at Teotihuacan um, that connected the pyramids together and all the structures together. Uh, and to me, it lends to me evidence that there may have been some type of electricity flowing through this underground tunnel system. Those tunnels, the way that they're cut so perfectly and geometrically shaped, to me, lends credibility to the fact that they may have been more technological. Yeah, I, I definitely you know? agree. It, yeah. You see that mica and you find um, that they were using that as like a technology means, not like we use it today. All those were used to focus energy or mm -hmm. use these as some kind of energy some kind of a temple that would have a certain harmonic frequency it, it's basically just lost technology that we're trying to figure out today and trying to yep. wrap our heads around but i want to just bring something up at the end of this that i think is, is pretty amazing is that those atlantean warriors those statues that, that, that are standing there in, in tula mexico mm -hmm. um probably another piece of evidence that i want to i want to bring up that i think is the probably the biggest one of all that connects all of this probably the best piece of evidence of all is that that handbag design that you find in the Olmec, okay, and in those in those Atlantean warriors in Tula, in different locations in Mexico, okay, you see that handbag design. You find that handbag design also in South America. You find that handbag design all throughout um, Mesopotamia, through um, all the ancient world and these ancient civilizations. Now, in, in Gobekli Tepe, you found that you find those same handbags on the T-shaped um, pillars they have. So yeah. what is that, right? In the stage of yeah. time, I talked about that, and I really laid that out, and I showed some pictures and examples. In my personal opinion, I think that the handbags represented this passing along of knowledge and technology, where a, a bag is, 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 a, is a symbolic way to represent something that holds something, something that carries something to be passed on. So when you when you have and they show different groups of them, too. And I think those all might have little meanings, too, and how many of them they show next to each other. But the fact is that handbag design has been seen in each of these megalithic ancient civilization areas all over the world. And I yeah. think those are what link this influence of these ancestors that traveled around and gave them all that technology. 
the handbags are showing that they provided all of this sophistication and wisdom and they passed it on to them and then created all these grand civilizations and then they were destroyed. And now, of course, we're trying to put those pieces back together today. Right, Billy? Yeah, the handbags are definitely uh, one of my biggest posts that I've you know, made many times over and over. I repost. What, do you, what do you think about them? I want to get your, what are your thoughts, too. That's a very interesting concept you came up with, the passing on of knowledge. Uh, I made a video. Tools and like sophistication and all that. Yeah, yeah, I made a, I, yeah exactly. I made a, a, a video with uh, Thomas uh, Jensen out of um, Denmark a few years back about the bags where, because I just, one day I was looking at um, some old NASA footage and I was trying to just analyze this whole moon thing and the launches and everything else. And I saw the astronauts come out with the bags, the handbags. They were life support bags. And so I started going, wait a minute. So I've gone from, I went from the Mercury, Apollo, I kept going forward all the way to the STS missions. You know, no matter what mission I went to, I saw that they were coming out with these handbags that were connected to a tube that were connected to their spacesuit as they climbed up uh, into the uh, launch tower. Like like Laura Bacal, right? Yeah, like Laura Bacal. That so, image that shows an M of the Mayan site. Yeah, exactly. So I started saying, maybe it's a possibility. I mean, we don't know. We're all speculating here. But it's a possibility that those these bags could be life support bags, uh, you know, adding credence to the fact that these beings were getting in ships and taking off a lot uh, or and flying around the planet as well, or maybe needing acclimation to the atmosphere or whatever. I don't know. But uh, your, your theory also is very, very interesting, and it's possible that it could be a little bit of both. It could be technology combined with knowledge and wisdom. Uh, but the thing, the one thing that we do have in common is the fact that they've been found all over the entire planet. They're like, they're like a signature, right? They're like a signature of those, those uh, call them whiz, wisdom bringers, influencers mm-hmm. of the past, right? That's right. It links the whole world together, and it proves that they were a global civilization. And, you know, there's no more question. You, you can't question it at this point when you find those bags literally have been found on um, little artifacts all over the world. Yeah, so it, sh- it, it basically, it gives us the idea of, okay, so you find this megalithic precise building, there's, there's one. So, okay, that, so that's probably a lost civilization. And then you find the handbags. You can you, you put both of those pieces together mm-hmm. and get, you have a blueprint to then follow around the world and try to figure things out. Um, and I, and I want to, I just want to, I want to say that, um, it's really an honor to be able to work with you on this, Billy, because you and I have such similar research, um, areas that we've studied and, and the, and the, the concepts and the hypothesis that we've come up with is so similar that mm-hmm. it's, it's almost uncanny actually, when you say, yeah, I know. I, I, I mean, it really is. It's, it's incredible, man. It's like we kindred spirits. We've been researching along the same path. Uh, even separately, and when we come together, I get confirmation from you, and you get confirmation from me, so it's really good to interact like this, because I'm like, wow, you know, so the path that I was researching, because, you know, researching, it's not an easy thing. Um, A lot of people would just do a couple of Google searches, but that's not what we do. (laughs) They have no idea. We spend countless hours, man, through texts and tablets and PDF files and and everything else, and, you know, uh, and trying to piece together this puzzle, so paint a picture for people to look at, not that it's the exact correct picture, but it's as close to the best that we can do to help you get an idea of what, what really happened back then. And uh, it takes us a lot of time, hours away from family, away from friends, sacrificing, uh, you know, events and so forth and so on to be able to write books and put this kind of information and content out. It's just something that's very easy to do. So, um, you know, I respect you, man. I, I really love your work. I, I'm just happy that I was able to meet you in this lifetime and to be able to share some wisdom with you, man. 
I love that. Thank you, Billy. That's beautiful. It's 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 an honor to meet you in this lifetime too. Um, and and again, it's it's an honor to be considered next to your book as well. Um, you're a very well versed person who is and like you said, we both spend a considerable amount of time trying to piece all this together and review it. Sometimes you can go great amounts of time without finding another one of those little little keys that you're looking for. Then all of a sudden, maybe some passage of some translation connects to another and boom, you can put all this together. And that's yeah. what this is all about. And like Billy said, we're not trying to say we have all the answers to what happened back then, but we, we're trying to present the evidence that exists for you, giving the theories based on what we've looked at. And then you decide for yourself what's real and what happened back then, because that's the most important thing of all. It's always just a breadcrumb trail where the individual has to be an objective observer of history at all times and try to figure out what the truth is, truth is for themselves, because we're all going to come to slightly different understandings of what occurred back then. And I just want to um, I just want to end out with a couple little updates here that um, that we're Billy and I are planning on doing um, more stuff in the future like this. If you guys like it. So please let us know if this is something okay, we enjoy. And I just wanted to give a little update on uh, what I've been working great. on. Again, Thank too, you so much. I didn't get a chance to. But I just wanted to point out that so I spent uh, about a, a last week based on some of the feedback. I ended up putting in um, sub chapters in the entire book. And Billy's book was one of the inspirations behind that. I wanted to help organize the, the information a lot better. So I went through and did um, a rather large update recently. So for those interested, check that out. Um, that's that's out now. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that we can try to do something with like a speaking presentation in the future. Um <laughs> coming up Billy if we can yeah that'd be great that would that would be fantastic we have to do that we have to do it we, we will let's get involved in one of those LA type of speaking events yeah or, and you and I can get in front of a, um, a PowerPoint and we can really lay out all this evidence mm -hmm. and we can we can really put this stuff together I think absolutely and I definitely love, would love to have you on my show uh, that I have on Dame Dash Studios uh, Billy Carson gotta get you on the show yeah that would be awesome. So, um, Billy, I just I'm going to give closing closing thoughts, and I want to give you a couple closing thoughts. But thanks so much for everyone that's that supports uh, my work and Billy's work. Um, we really work hard to try to bring these secrets back out. But really, we also the reason we do this is because we really care about this information. We care about the future of where humanity goes, and that's the driving um, force behind why we really try to make sure we can preserve this legacy of the past. So, Billy, it's been a really great discussion with you, my friend. Absolutely, man. Same here. I appreciate it, man. You know, we're just here to uh, literally serve mankind. We're really of service. And I think that's going to create a lot of positive karma. It has created a lot of positive karma for us, which allows us to continue to do what we do. Because uh, to be able to go down the path that we're on, it's not an easy path. And it requires a lot of things to fall in line in your life to be able to allow us to do this kind of research and work. Because the, t the average person just can't do it. There's a lot of things going on. We understand family, kids, work. I mean, we, not that we don't have that stuff, but an alignment has allowed us to be able to accomplish these goals and missions to help mankind. And I really just want to thank the universe, and I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much, Billy. It's been a great discussion. Until next time, my friend. All right, man. See you later.
so down with this. Thanks for a 57k Yeah, it's freaking great. Are you guys still there? Yes, you are. Hello, darlings. Hello, how are you? Obviously, you're still alive. You survived Trump virus. Congratulations. I, I would do a, a little comedy on that, but I've been uh, view only. On my TikTok account. So, anyway, what other awesome stuff do you have for us, Trista? That was freaking great. Let's see, Forbidden Rants. Yes, we landed on the moon. Yes, we lied about it. Okay, this sounds good. What if you could follow More proven day trading future strategies and make it for all of your past trading losses? Stuff from Billy Carson. Bad HD. <laughs> That'd be a good name for a production studio. Bad HD. What's this is going to be one of my forbidden rants. And today's going to be a very, very, very interesting topic that's going to, if you pay attention, wake some people up. Or if you still want to keep a closed mind, it's going to make you frustrated and possibly angry. So if you start feeling angry because of uh, the information that I'm about to awaken you to and the truth that I'm about to spit at you, then you are probably not as conscious and woke as you thought you were because you're supposed to take all information and then go do what guys research it for yourself if you take information from other accounts and other youtube videos 
and just run away with it like it's the truth without doing any research, then, you know, like I said, you might as well just go, might as well go to church and sit there and listen to a pastor talk all day. So let's get right into it. You know, about, I don't know if it was now, two years ago, I wrote a blog, an article on my blog, Forbidden Knowledge Blog. If you don't know, I have a huge blog with a lot of great articles on there. And this one particular blog was entitled, Yes, We Went to the Moon, and Yes, We Lied About It. And in this blog, I cover both arguments. One is the argument uh, from people that say we never went to the moon. And I cover that argument in depth. I cover a lot of the fraudulent, fake information and fake images that have been put out all over the Internet and have gone viral many, many times. Partial images, edited images, photoshopped images. And in this blog, I cover that information and then I bring you the real image. And I show you the edited image or the photoshopped image versus the original image. And I cover exactly what it's about, what it means. Uh, so it's going to be pretty. It's going to be pretty intense. And then I also cover the other side. Yes, we went to the moon, but also yes, there were some doctored video that came back as well. And there's a reason why. There's a reason why some of the video footage was uh, a little doctored. And so there's a reason why I covered that as well in the blog. So yes, we went to the moon, and yes, we lied about it. I'm about to debunk some of the debunked uh, information that has been spreading around for literally probably 10, 15 years, a lot of it. And unfortunately, a lot of it is absolutely junk, garbage, fake news. And so my hopes today is to educate you on true information, real information that you can actually look up for yourself as you should be doing and stop relying on all these other accounts to be the be-all, end-all of all information. But you can actually take some of your own personal time. No Netflix and chill. No Prime Video. Take some time off from swiping up and down on TikTok. And spend that hour or two doing some research. Before you continue to spread more lies. Because the biggest problem we have right now is somebody posts a bunch of garbage, a bunch of lies. A little bit of truth mixed with lies. And then people take it and they run. They run with it. They run away hardcore and they start posting it everywhere like it was verified information, like they've authenticated it themselves without even taking even a second. Sometimes the stuff is getting shared and copied within milliseconds before they even can take an opportunity to even digest it themselves. And so I really want to take some time today to go through this blog with you. We're actually going to go to the blog. I'm going to show it right here on this video. And we're going to walk through this whole thing, literally, word by word, image by image. And we're going to cover this content today on the Forbidden Rant. All right, let's get into this, guys. I'm going to share my screen now. And we're going to go to the window with the blog. Share. Has inflation got you feeling your money is slowly wasting away? Well, Kinesis Money is here to help. 
With the Kinesis Money platform, you can protect your wealth by spending physical gold, not paper money. That Okay. Let me open up that blog. So this is the Forbidden blog. You can go to forbiddenknowledge.com forward slash blog, B-L-O-G. And there's a lot of blogs in here. There's literally probably a few hundred blog articles that have been written. This one I wrote March 27th. I believe that was 2019 uh, on this particular article. It says, yes, we went to the moon and yes, we lied about it. So let's get right into it, guys. One of the largest and oldest conspiracy theories that can be traced back to the NASA Apollo moon missions that occurred between 1961 and 1975 is the conspiracy which is fueled by several hot topics, which I will debunk in this article. Okay, let's start with the first one. Below is a fake image. It has gone viral online many, many times, by the way. This image is claimed to have been taken from a Hollywood studio and supposedly proves that the crew took a fake picture of themselves on the moon. The hoaxers are looking to deceive eager truth seekers with badly photoshopped images that could easily be debunked with a little bit of research. The hoaxers know that the majority of people are lazy and will not check anything. And that's a fact. Let's take a look at this image. This is a famous image. Boy, this has been going around for so long. You see uh, the, the Apollo mission uh, astronauts here doing a training mission and you see them standing on the ground and what looks to be the moon but there's no helmets on oh my god they got no helmets guys this is in the hollywood studio look at this not exactly let's have a look
That's why I put underneath this photo, the conscious community has been overrun by hoaxers and pranksters on the